Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. Last month, we covered heart health with interventional cardiologist Dr. Courtney Crathen. This month, we dive into the latest diagnostic and treatment tools for patients in every stage of heart failure with cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Koss. Here's Rasa Kay. Hi, I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm speaking with cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Koss. She specializes in advanced heart failure, one of the most expensive and, in its later stages, devastating cardiac conditions. Due to its downstream impacts, the damage to every organ system in the body when the heart is not pumping oxygenated blood properly through the body. Insights into understanding and diagnosing heart failure now with Dr. Cynthia Koss. So let's start with the basics first. What is heart failure? What happens to the heart muscle during heart failure? Yeah, so heart failure is exactly what it sounds like. It's the failure of the heart to do its job, which is to physically pump oxygenated blood to the rest of the body. And there are different types of problems with the heart muscle. Sometimes it could be too weak, and therefore you have an inability to actually squeeze the blood to the rest of the body. On another type of heart failure, the heart muscle itself could actually be too stiff. Um, And so it's unable to, again, get the blood to the rest of the body. Are there always signs and symptoms? Is heart failure as a condition ever asymptomatic? Can you have heart failure and not realize you've got heart failure? You can. There are different actual stages of heart failure. Some people can be at risk of heart failure and not have those very obvious symptoms of congestion, the shortness of breath. They can have more subtle symptoms like fatigue, nausea, decreased alertness. So it could go on either end of the spectrum. So you've got your your low energy, brain fog, dizziness, the difficulty breathing. Sometimes it can be noisy breathing. It can, it can. And this is the leading cause or a leading cause of hospital readmissions. So I, I guess there's a, you're living with a lot of anxiety if you're living with heart failure. I would say that heart failure definitely is very impactful. It's also very costly, if I could say a couple words about that. Definitely it costs us over upwards of $30 billion a year in hospital costs, medication costs, as well as days away from work because people are either hospitalized or seeking care. And and as you said, it also is one of the leading causes of people going to the emergency department or being readmitted. And then it's also very costly in a sense of quality of life. People are anxious about the progression of heart failure. It is a progressive disease, much like cancer. So while you might be initially diagnosed and not be very symptomatic, ultimately the disease progresses and you can become extremely symptomatic where you need advanced therapies. Now, when you're talking about the heart not pumping blood, oxygenated blood to all the parts of the body, that means every organ system Correct. can be impacted by by heart failure. Kidneys, um, I was doing my research and, and yeah. kidney failure yes. becomes an issue with heart failure. T- tell me about how, how this can cascade multi-system impacts. Sure. So if you don't get blood to the rest of the body, all of the vital organs can be impacted. And one of the very first organ systems that we screen for for the impact of heart failure are the kidneys, the lungs, and the liver. In terms of the kidneys, there's a syndrome called cardiorenal syndrome. So it's the impact of the heart on the kidneys. And what that does is if you can't get enough blood to the kidneys, it starts showing us signs in the lab work that it's under stress. 
we can show signs of acute kidney injury on the lab work. So that's one of the things that we as heart failure doctors and cardiologists do is we look at basic lab work and if we suspect that somebody might have heart failure, we also pay intimate attention to their end organ function, which would be the kidneys and the liver, and of course, if their ability to breathe in terms of, the, of their lungs, if they're congested. Because you're talking about the kidneys and, yeah. and, and the liver and, and all of the, the function in cleaning and clearing the blood and that fluid backup that happens, how does that work? Yeah, so if the, if the kidney's impacted by heart failure and the inability to have it function, the kidney also fails to do its job, which is to get rid of fluid out of the body. So people become more and more congested because you have the kidney failure happening. And then in addition to the fact that the heart can't squeeze the blood forward to the kidneys, then you have a backup of blood flow into the lungs, the abdomen, causing abdominal bloating, into the legs, causing leg swelling. So it really becomes a congestive disease where you have symptoms because of that congestion. And once you're diagnosed with heart failure, that's it, you've got it, it's chronic, there's no cure. So there are some conditions where you can have reversible heart failure. So for example, if somebody comes in with a heart attack and they have heart failure because their inability to squeeze the heart is impacted by poor blood flow, there is a chance that if they get treated early, maybe they get a stent early, that and they're put on the correct medications early, that we could potentially reverse that weakness of the heart and the squeeze of the heart actually improves over time. So what we do in those cases is we repeat the echocardiogram several weeks later, you know, usually about 40 days later, to see if the function of the heart has improved. If not, we refer them for device therapies, for example, defibrillators and specific medications. But if it has improved, that's a good thing. So there are sometimes reasons that people can get their heart failure reversed. On the flip side, there's also chronic heart failure. And as you said, it will progress over time. Everybody's timeline is different. So that's why it's important that everybody come in and see their uh, cardiologist and heart failure cardiologist on a regular basis. This is just a sprawling, sprawling condition in terms of the impacts across the, the whole body and, and the whole lifestyle and, and the potential management of it. So. First, are there differences between men and women in terms of heart failure? So there can be, but there are also differences in heart disease itself. And really, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that when people come to be evaluated, sometimes men will come a little less frequently than women and vice versa. So ultimately, what I tell everybody is just at the end of the day, make sure you get to a cardiologist at least once a year or, or you're actually get to your physician once a year. Get an EKG once a year. Just see how your heart's doing so that if something is wrong, if there's an arrhythmia, for example, which is an abnormal heartbeat, that that can be treated early before we get into the heart failure stages. What are the most common conditions that can lead to heart failure? So the most common conditions that can lead to heart failure are exactly the same as those that can lead to heart disease, which would be um, increased cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, being overweight. These are the most common conditions. But there are less common conditions. Uh, for example, abnormal heart rhythms, called arrhythmias. You can have infiltrative diseases, something called sarcoidosis or amyloidosis, and we can screen for those um, at the heart failure clinic. Also, some people are prone to them based on genetics. There's genetic cardiomyopathies, and some people have heart failure after giving birth. It's called postpartum cardiomyopathy. 
These are also rare, but can happen. And then there's a whole branch of cardiology now being developed called cardio-oncology because the oncology drugs and oncology treatments that cancer patients go through ultimately can impact the heart, including radiation around the heart. It can make it more stiff and less able to function normally. Also, the chemotherapy drugs can cause arrhythmias and abnormal heart squeeze of the heart. So these are all things that potentially can lead to heart failure. However, they are rare. Is there more heart failure being diagnosed? Absolutely. We're looking for it more frequently. We want to diagnose it early, just like cancer. You know, the more you look for it, the more you'll find. So I think more people are out there. We're trying to spread more awareness of what to look for and to get people, the first step would be to get people into the doctor's office to be evaluated. People aren't dying from heart attacks the way they used to thanks to medical advances, but are more surviving now with weakened hearts? Is that increasing the rate of heart failure? So I will say that there, COVID did impact heart failure in a sense that a lot of people were afraid to come and see their physician to even get evaluated. And that's why we're really encouraging people to come out if you haven't in, in several years to be evaluated because the longer you wait to be um, looked at from a medical point of view, the worse symptoms can be. And in terms of heart failure, you know, it, it's, it's definitely one of those um, diseases that can be treated on an earlier basis and we have different types of medications we can offer patients, initially with oral medications. And then as patients progress through the different stages of heart failure, they can be offered device therapy, for example, a cardiac resynchronization therapy or a CRTD device. Um, and then as they get even to the worst stages of heart failure, they can be given IV medications, heart pumps called LVADs or left ventricular assist devices, and ultimately transplant if they are a candidate. Have you seen direct impacts from having had COVID on heart failure, whether it's resulting in heart failure or exacerbating heart failure? I'm just looking to see if there's any kind of direct COVID connection that we've noticed or are are hypothesizing yet. Yeah, so as you as you know, there's a lot of information coming out by the day on COVID and uh, there are a lot of patients out there to research. One of the impacts of COVID is cardiovascular impacts. And there are some early data coming out that do demonstrate that COVID alone can be a risk factor for heart failure later in life. And that's because of the inflammation around the heart can ultimately lead to dysfunction of the heart and heart failure later. So it's still preliminary, but it's something to definitely pay attention to and keep an eye on. The, the causes of heart failure, how does that impact how heart failure is experienced? I mean, depending on what's causing your heart failure, um, are, is it going to present differently? Is it, is it going to have different symptoms, I guess? Sure, so if it's caused by uh, like increased cholesterol, uh, cardiac disease, some of the typical symptoms of that would be chest pain, fatigue, pain into the neck, pain down the arm, um, or nausea or GI symptoms. Um, alternatively, it could be caused by arrhythmias, so palpitations, rapid heartbeats, things of that nature. Um, and so it, it does depend on whatever the cause is, how it does present. Once again, getting back to how sprawling this whole process is for tracking down and how to treat a particular case of heart failure. So what are the, the stages? How is it likely to progress? 
Okay, so the stages of heart failure are stage A through D. So I like to tell my patients, A means that you're at risk. So you have something that would lead to heart failure, for example, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes. On the opposite end of the spectrum is stage D, and I like to tell patients that's the dire, the deadly stage. We don't wanna to get to stage D because that's where it becomes uh, very you know, advanced, where we need to do IV medications, consider you for a transplant or for a heart pump. So how do you diagnose heart failure? So the first step is to get the patient in the room, and that means everybody should come see, a, some, see their physician, their primary care doctor, and if the primary care doctor feels that they have risk factors for heart disease or heart failure to see a cardiologist or an advanced heart failure cardiologist, it really becomes a team approach. So once the patient comes to the office, we talk with them, we find out how is life going on a daily basis? Are you able to do the things that you were able to do a year ago? For example, can you walk up and down a hallway without any problems? Can you go around the grocery store without having to stop and take a break? We can kind of um, investigate the impact of heart failure just by talking to the patient. And then we can do preliminary screening tests, for example, an EKG to look for arrhythmias, which is abnormal heart rhythm. Um, we can also do screening lab work to look for the common indicators of those conditions that would lead to heart failure. For example, increased lipids, um, abnormal uh, sugar levels, those types of things. And then if needed, we would then do imaging tests, including 2D echocardiograms, which is a non-invasive ultrasound of the heart that gives us a lot of information about the structure and function of the heart. And if we need to, we would do a stress test or a cardiac catheterization to look for heart disease. We also would also do functional tests. For example, we have the patient do a six minute walk test, which is walking up and down a hallway with a um, oxygen monitor on them to see if they're losing oxygen as they're doing exercise, and also to find out if they're able to do the things that they think they can do. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm all right, I can do things that I could do last year, but when we actually have them walk, they realize they're limited. That's cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Koss, a specialist in advanced heart failure. Next time, we'll get into more detail on treating and living, yes, living with heart failure. Our podcast dropped the first Wednesday of the month. I'm Rasa Kay. You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah Doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at DemandDeborah.org.